We're going to jump straight into God's Word this morning. I tell you, God is good. And all the time. Amen, amen. My prayer this morning is that we don't just hear Scripture as just words of wisdom. I think my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit brings life to those words. How many know you can read something and read something and read something and maybe you don't understand everything about it, but the Holy Spirit then catches it and enlightens you. You feel that. You feel that passion for God's Word. You feel that hunger in you that I want to know more. And I think we can know God through His Word, but only when His Spirit ignites it in with us, within us. One of those. In us. Anyway. <laughs> my title this morning is Spirit and Life. And it's that very thing. That key, my key scripture is from John 6, 63. And if you've got your Bible and you want to follow along uh, with that, um, please, please do. If you want to make notes, you can do. We put all these things up on the screen just to help you. But it's not a substitute for you opening your Bible for yourself. It is the Spirit that gives life. This is Jesus saying this. The flesh is useless. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. You know, when Jesus teaches, it's not with our natural understanding that we really get the benefit. Jesus says, in this situation, your flesh isn't any help at all. It's useless. And we're talking this morning about how the words of Christ can be that life to us, that spirit and life to us. And our natural understanding doesn't seem to, in this case, Jesus is saying, not much help. The words of Christ. You know when Paul wrote his letter, he says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. Often we interpret that in Romans. We interpret that as the words of God, but actually the, the Greek there is Christos, the words of Christ, that faith comes. And in Hebrews, he says that we have to mix the word with our faith. Simply means you have to believe. You have to start believing this stuff. And I think there's an action in belief that ignites the Holy Spirit to speak to us on a whole different level. You know, if you're reading your Bible and you're falling asleep, my suggestion is that you're not reading it right. I won't ask for a show of hands. Because the very words of Christ ignite something within us. And there's a passion. How many feel that passion? I will ask you to show your hands. How many feel that passion? I can't do them justice this morning but I want to ignite something in us. You know, the context of John chapter 6 is a very, very difficult teaching that Jesus has. And he brings these, this teaching to all these crowds that are gathering around him, and they all get offended. I don't know how many preachers stand up in their pulpits and have all but 12 of their congregation leave. But this is the situation here. They've they follow Jesus, they're seeking Jesus, but they're seeking not to, to follow him, but 
He's just fed them. He's just fed the 5,000. This is the context here. But as soon as Jesus starts to teach on eating my flesh and drinking my blood, they all leave. They all get offended. It's like, it's like Jesus is saying, listen, I gave you bread, but you want more. You want some blood? <laughs> what more do you want? What more can I give you? Can I give you my flesh to eat? And of course, this is difficult to understand with those without spiritual ears. And Jesus often spoke in those parables and then explained them to the twelve later. But Jesus, if he was seeking fame and fortune, then that kind of teaching doesn't really follow. If he was just out to please the crowds or please people, he would certainly keep to safe topics, as most of us do, don't we? Not wishing to be cancelled or... I mean, they weren't cancelled. In those days, they were actually put to death, which, you know, we know the end of the story. But Jesus takes this whole different approach to his teaching. And you can imagine these kosher Jews that wouldn't eat anything with blood in them, let alone human blood, human flesh. This is a real problem for these Jews. And he says, doesn't he, if you don't eat my flesh, you can have no part of me. Now, in hindsight, we look back and we think what it means to eat the flesh, drink the blood, and we are celebrating communion this after, uh, straight after this service. And we understand that metaphorically, how we partake of Christ and Christ becomes part of us as we become part of Christ. But of course, they don't understand and they take it on face value right there. And we pick it up a few verses down. Uh, verse 67, this is John 6 still. And after this harsh teaching, Jesus says to the twelve, do you wish to go away also? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Our three points this morning, and I'll go really quick to keep up is we need to understand the difference between what is flesh and what is spirit. You know, where does our flesh end and our spirit begins? And where does our spirit and flesh end? What does that mean? Second, what, what does it mean in, to live in a way that's pleasing God and not pleasing people? And then finally, what's the connection between the words of Christ and eternal life? They're really three weighty subjects that probably deserve their own expounding. But the words, the Bible, we call the Word of God, but actually we know Christ himself is the Word of God. We understand that too. But this book, this scripture, isn't just a collection of sacred words or uh, something like that. It's when the Spirit of God makes that Word alive to us. That's when we know the difference. That's when we understand that words have eternal power. Number one then, difference between flesh and spirit. When we approach Scripture with a spiritual insight and discernment, not with just our natural understanding or the mind of our flesh, we understand that these words are spirit and life to us. And the flesh, he says, is useless in understanding God and spiritually we need to be awakened or enlightened by the Spirit of God in our understanding because we're not going to profit from it. And I think how we approach Scripture, how we 
approach the Word of God or, what, or how we approach Christ himself is not that he was just a, a teacher that went around a few thousand years ago wearing socks and sandals or whatever he did, you know, um, as, as some sort of wise sage or we approach Scripture like it's just one of these ancient books of wisdom, which of course it is an ancient book of wisdom. But we approach it with an enlightenment in our spirit. You know, I was listening to um, one of these old hymns, you know, and they can sound uh, a little boring. No, that's not the right word. Not as exciting to our modern ears. But actually, when you listen and you hear the words that are written, you can tell that these hymns were written by people who really knew God really knew the Spirit of God. And I think it would be sad if we're singing these songs some hundreds of years later without any spiritual enthusiasm <laughs> behind them at all, without any understanding of what the, the person who wrote it and what they meant and all the gospel that's in it. And, and, and even though the, the hymns might be different to some of the modern dancey songs that we do today, but they have such depth about them. They have such incredible spiritual impact about them if we can just get on board with that, then they too can come alive. And then it's not just about dancing around and entertaining because um, that's what we need. No, we need to have the spiritual understanding of the words behind them. And a lot of these things are very scriptural based. The Word of God, Hebrews 4, my next scripture, verse 12 and 13. What does the scripture say about the scripture? For the Word of God is living, it's active. How many find the Word of God living and active in your life today? Is that book just on the shelf? Or is that Word coming in you and penetrating into your very soul? It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing what is of the soul, the spirit, the joints, the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is how we know the Word of God is powerful. It cuts. It cut me deep. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You know, it's like the, the Apostle Paul who writes to the church in Corinth. And he says, listen, you don't have the spirit of the world, but you have the spirit of Christ, which is from God. And that's why we understand what God has given to us freely. Because the one without the Spirit of God doesn't understand the things of God, the Word of God, their foolishness to, to them. And they cannot understand because they're not spiritually discerned. I tell you, there's a discernment of God's Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 14. But God wants us to have spiritual discernment when it comes to the Word of God, a spiritual understanding and not just in our natural understanding. My point number two. The 12, the 12 were given a choice. You know, there's some tough, harsh teaching coming from Jesus. He's holding nothing back. And they're saying, listen, you've got the option. You can leave right now, he says to them. But they choose to follow Christ. They choose to follow Christ. And following Christ, we know, is where they take up their cross and they follow him. I want to talk about that another time. But they're not living 
just because they're getting bread. They're not following Christ just because they're getting fed. They're not uh, following Christ because it's trendy and, it's, and everyone else is doing it. No, the thing is, nobody else is doing it. There's no more bread on offer. But you have the words of eternal life. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Holy One. They're not living to please themselves. They're living to please God. How do we know that we're living to follow Christ and not just in this for something I can get out of it? I heard someone say the other day, you know, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And um, it's like, well, if, if it transpired that only good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, then obviously everyone would be good. If you knew that was the case, but then if you're only being good because you want good things, then you're not really good, are you? You're just doing it for, to get the good things, and that's not good. So this good and bad things happening to good and bad people, it has to be random. Because you have to be good not knowing whether good things or bad things are going to happen to you. Oh, that's genius. But we're not living to please God just because we're not doing this because everyone else is doing this. We're not doing this just so we can get fed. We're living to please God. We're not living according to our flesh. We're living to please ourselves or we're living to please other people. People pleasing. Someone said, I'm a recovering people pleaser. I hope that's all right with you. In Romans 8, we read what it means to be in Christ. You read Romans 6 about being dead to self. Romans 7, you read about being dead to the law. And then Romans 8, you read about what it means to be alive in Christ. And being in Christ is, he says in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. This no condemnation means that we're, because we're in Christ, we're not living to please ourselves. We're not, he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? He doesn't stop there. He says, I thank God that Christ does. Christ delivers me from the body of death, that weight that's uh, of, of living to please myself, of weight of trying to be good enough to obey the Lord. No, I need to be in Christ. And this notion of no condemnation only applies to those who are in Christ. What does it mean? To be in Christ or the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ are the same thing. It means you're not living to please yourself. You're not in the flesh. If the Spirit of God dwells within you, then you are children of God. You are in Christ. And to be in Christ means you belong to Christ. Christ belongs to you. And even though your bodies are set dead because of sin and trespasses, you are alive in the righteousness of God. And then you begin to understand who you are. You say, yeah, I'm dead in my sin and trespasses, but I, am a been, I have been made alive and I have been made righteous and I have the Spirit of God within me. The coming of the Holy Spirit into a believer's life and the working of the Holy Spirit to liberate us from our past, liberating us from the law of sin and death, liberating us to live free, 
to the point where nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. This is Romans 8. You have to look at it. But the coming of our Holy Spirit, the working that liberates, Paul deals with this in Galatians, Galatians 3. And Paul asks these questions. He says, did you receive, let's turn to that, Galatians 3 verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law because you were good enough? Or did you by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, now you're ending up in flesh. Do you experience so many things in vain if it really is in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's when we hear the Word of God, we mix it with faith, the Spirit begins to operate. And when the Spirit operates, it ignites that Word in us that the Word becomes flesh. This is the mystery of godliness. Christ revealed in human beings. What does it mean to be godly? Well, it's a mystery. Well, let me tell you that mystery. It's that Christ is revealed in you. That it's no longer you that lives, but Christ that lives within you. This is the gospel we believe. This is the gospel we preach. That yes, I am flesh and blood, but yes, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Because I have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in me, therefore there's no condemnation. Therefore I'm delivered from sin and death. And I'm not operating in that realm of sin and death, but I'm operating in a spiritual realm where Christ, His life is in me. So do I want to go back to my old life? Absolutely no. Because I'm a new creation. Those old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want to operate in the life of Christ and spirit of life in Christ. I'm getting to point three shortly. It's by faith we receive the Holy Spirit. It's by faith that the Holy Spirit lives within us. Then we're no longer living to please ourselves. And maybe there's some tough questions we need to ask. Are we following Christ for Christ's sake? Are, are we living in our flesh? Are we caught up in some addiction that we, or habitual practice that we are finding it so difficult to break? Are there areas of our life where we've not surrendered to God? Has our conscience been seared time and time again because we've pushed and push the boundaries of our flesh and not allow the Spirit of God its place to work in us? Are there places we've denied God access? You know, your conscience can become seared and hardened to the point where you are deciding what you think is right and wrong. Or you are doing things knowing that they do not please God, that you're living for yourself. But we're not living for ourselves. We don't have the spirit of the world. We have the spirit of life in Christ. And our conscience isn't dulled or seared or hardened. And that is where the spirit of God is able to divide of what is of us and what is of God. And it's the spiritual understanding to bring light upon God's word because the word will show our weaknesses. That's the point of the law, Paul said. The law comes and it shows your weakness, but it offers no help. But the spirit of life in Christ is what helps you because you're dead to your old self and you're alive to Christ.
And it's that death that we experience as believers. That's why baptism is so important. That's why it's not just a ritual that we do, but it, it symbolizes and it puts us into God's kingdom and God's life. And we receive the Spirit of God. Yes, the Spirit of God shines upon us because the Spirit, it says, um, uh, brings uh, conviction of righteousness, sin, and judgment. The Spirit does convict us. But the difference, the Spirit brings life where the letter kills, Paul would say. The letter of the law has no power of transformation and it's only the Spirit of God that brings complete transformation. And that's where we are. We're, we're, we're living in the Spirit of God. We're living by the Spirit. We're not walking according to our flesh, back to Romans 8, but we're walking according to the Spirit. And the Spirit provides us with a way of escape. It helps us in our weaknesses, even when we don't know what to do. We don't know what to pray. The Spirit of God helps us and we hear the words, we mix them with faith and the Spirit enlightens and ignites us within us. Point number three. John 5.24 says, Verily, Very truly, or I was going to say verily, verily. That's a different translation. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life, does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. You know, we're not denying that there's an accountability. You know, Christ came first time as Savior, comes second time as judge. But for those who understand his words, for those who know him, they have eternal life. And that eternal life begins now by the word of God, which is spirit and life. And the word of God, which is sharp and active and quickened by the Holy Spirit, has that dynamic power to bring life to us. Words and eternal life go together. Words. What words are you listening to? It's only Christ that has the words of eternal life. It's only Christ's words that can bring life to us. And the disciples, the twelve, were unique amongst all the others that day. For they saw something in Christ. And we know from John chapter 1, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is eternal, the Logos. There's the Word of God that was there in the beginning, the creative power of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. You'll have to read that bit another time. But the Word of God is more than just words on a page that's open to interpretation. The Word isn't just true. The Word is truth. And Jesus said, the words I've spoken to you. This is my closing. Closing where I started. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. So the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And I just want us to take one moment right now and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and make his word alive to us. We approach the Word of Christ. We approach the Scripture with spiritual insight and discernment. Lord Jesus, let your words come to life in us. Not our natural understanding. Let us be awakened and enlightened by the Spirit of Christ in our understanding and in our flesh. 
Lord Jesus, you said we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. Lord, we so need your freedom today. We need freedom from the past. We need freedom from those addictions. We need freedom from those things that would hold us back and drag us down. We need to know your truth and we can only know your truth by your spirit. Lord Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit more powerfully. Pour out your Holy Spirit on each and every one of us right here, right now, if we're listening. Maybe we're listening at home, online. Maybe we're listening sitting here. Lord, by your Spirit, come more powerfully. Just receive it right now, wherever you are. Say, Lord, I receive your Word into my life. Your Word is truth. Your Word is bringing freedom. Your Word is enlightening me and in quickening my spirit that I may know you. And I may know true freedom. Holy Spirit, come. More powerfully. Holy Spirit, come. More powerfully. You know, sometimes we just have to take this by faith that God is speaking to us. His Word. We mix it with faith and say, transform my life. Change my life. Give me spiritual understanding. Give me ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us today. Today.